0: Welcome to the Town Manager Download, a podcast about local government in the town of Shrewsbury. In today's podcast episode, we're going to discuss the Shrewsbury Public School System with our special guest, Dr. Joseph Sawyer, superintendent of the Shrewsbury Public Schools. I'm Kevin Mizikar, the town manager of the town of Shrewsbury, and as always, I'm joined by communications coordinator, Taylor Galusha. What's going on, Taylor? It's
1: our second episode on our new schedule. Second... I feel like we have to say that. Just to reiterate that we're a Thursday podcast now.
0: Second episode, second season. Mm-hmm.
1: Second, two, two. That's
0: right. Um, it's a lucky episode. Dr. is here to join us, yep. so it'll be good.
1: Be a good one. So what have you done in the last, on the theme of two, last two <laughs> weeks?
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, there's been oh, actually kind of settling into the summer schedule. Mm-hmm. Back from the big trip and wading through a bunch of rain. Um Not too much exciting has been going on, but, you know, some beach trips on the horizon. Um, My mom's birthday was, uh, you know, on the 16th. So had a conversation with her and, uh, yeah, celebrated those little things. So how about you?
1: We did find out that our moms are almost birthday twins. twins. My mom's birthday was on the 15th. So... Naturally, we celebrated on the 14th <laughs> to get the whole family together. Yeah. Um, my sister's been super busy, so it was nice to see everyone at once. Um, I've been getting back into my running running yeah. schedule.
0: Is this building on the um, kickball? Yeah, it's my training.
1: Yeah, it's my preseason for fall ball. Um, so that's been fun. Just... You know, had a reading day yesterday, first, like, nice day outside yeah, yes, without awesome. humidity and pouring mm-hmm. torrential down, pouring rain. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I can't complain. It's yeah. definitely summer now. Yeah, summer's so.
0: been good. I'll take the downtime, the right not crazy schedules. Right.
1: It's good to not have plants.
0: But, yeah, I feel like it's, we're settling into summer finally. I know, I'm not going to say it. So, no. yeah, it's all good. No jinxing. Yeah. <laughs> So, what's up in the Shrew? What's been what's been going on? Let's see. Day to day basis.
1: We have some fun like events coming up. So, what's the Shrew has to look forward to? Um, we have more of the summer concert series that the recreation department organizes. Um, the next one is August first at Dean Park, um, starting at six pm. Um, the food truck festival will be on the fourth. Um, from 5 to 8 at uh, the Maple Ave fields, I believe. And there's going to be a beer garden and tons of different food truck vendors, artisan vendors, games and activities, um, which I think will be super fun. Um, On the more serious side, we're moving into our second phase of public engagement for the climate action plan starting in August. So kind of similar to the strategic plan, there will be a bunch of different Um, events and different types of events that we will be attending to gather uh, public feedback on that so I'm excited to do more of that community engagement that I really enjoy about my job so
0: the multimodal project is moving forward into a public phase as well so I believe right so we'll receive official public comment within the coming weeks months something near future no No. you don't. you don't seem to agree with me (laughs) I know we're moving into a phase where uh, the work of the internal committee is uh, forming up.
1: Oh, yeah, and being presented to the public.
0: Right, so it's not going to be, you know, where. A little different than the
1: CARP, but yes. Yep. So So we'll see that at the end of September, probably.
0: Yeah, and we're. it's not. There's not a lot of public-facing aspects of it, because of the nature. But we're working our way through the unified dispatching study. Uh, funds were put in place for that. Um, so there's been a lot of engagement with the police and fire and emergency management um, departments, which is That obvious. was a
1: town meeting initiative, too, right? That's
0: right. Yeah, right. it was funded by town meeting. We're looking to. Um, we got that funding in the fall because of some challenges that we've been faced with. Um, Internally, we think mm-hmm. we can operate a little bit better than we have been, and now we have the new police station that's open, uh, and that opportunity presents us, and it uh, gives us some resources in different aspects of public safety. So that's an ongoing project that um, we'll have some real public-facing results um, as soon as the FY25 budget, so a little outside of a year. So. Oh, wow. Yep, it's on the horizon. and
1: I'm sure they're eager to start using the new yes. police
0: Yes, so. yep. Yeah, will be good. And we we will start seeing less of you. Is that
1: right? Yeah, but less <laughs> <air> signs for <laughs> Taylor. My TV contract has been cut in half. Yeah. So, um, my colleague Justin Dobson, who worked in our office, he started at the same time I did. Um, left us for a little bit to go work in the um, Parks and Cemetery Maintenance Division with the DPW as the cemetery program manager Um, he's returned to our office as of last month I think Mm -hmm. and he's going to be working with the select board now kind of filling that part of my old role so I can kind of step into my new one a little bit more fully so um, you'll be seeing his face on Tuesday nights and I will resort to my Thursday uh prime time on the town Manager download <laughs> this takes all my time and energy yeah, to you're be focusing here your right this is this is important. it now so yeah. well, that's good five star podcast what can yeah, i say
0: well, welcome justin into that role and <laughs> it'll uh, free you up to be more focused on communications in general which will be a great opportunity and benefit to the town as well so That's great. So uh, today's episode, we're going to uh, have a great conversation uh, with Dr. Joe Sawyer, who's the superintendent of public schools. Uh, We always like to lay the framework of um, the topic that we're Mm -hmm. going to talk about and the town manager's role, if any, which of course, there isn't um, one here, um, specifically with the Shrewsbury Public Schools. But it's all about the relationship. Yeah, I, I think. was
1: going to say with the budget and the operations is like our big, I guess, overlap, which makes sense because mm-hmm. budget's a budget and operations are how we work every day. So, right. um, and I think from an outside perspective, People think of the town of Shrewsbury as the town of Shrewsbury and they might not understand the distinctions like we kind of made when we had um, general manager Chris Roy on when we talked about SELCO Mm -hmm. um, kind of our relationship with Shrewsbury public school system, too.
0: Right. Yeah. So from a governance standpoint, um, there's two elected bodies that are associated mm-hmm. with the municipal operations. That's obviously the select board. We talked about them a lot on the podcast. And then on the school side is the school committee. So uh, elected um, body who's responsible for the Shrewsbury Public Schools and the education of uh, the school-aged children in town, led, of course, on a day-to-day basis by Dr. Sawyer and his team. but. You know there's really that separate governance structure for the schools and their responsibilities where it does come together of course um, on a day-to-day basis budget and operations shrewsbury has uniquenesses uh, not surprisingly uh, like we talk about all the time um, what i love so much about uh, shrewsbury and and what I think makes us one of the highest performing uh, governments in the commonwealth and beyond is that relationship that we have uh, with our colleagues in the school um, department not only are they right down the hall literally like two steps away uh, their wing in the town hall which you know you can have professional relationships with everyone they don't have to be in the same building but really that professional relationship is so strong and we have the opportunity to interact with them on a day-to-day basis. It keeps yep. things open and collaborative, which is really important. Um, there's plenty of cities and towns and it's well documented. The The media loves it when um, the school mm-hmm. department and the towns don't get along and they fight throughout the budget process for those scarce resources, which I understand, um, but we have that opposite relationship here. It's open, it's collaborative. um, And um, I just wanted to point out some of those distinctions. And for me, it was really eye-opening from way before day one. So in my selection process, uh, going through the town manager interview process, um, Dr. Sawyer and uh, Assistant Superintendent Collins were part of the interview process and they were integral in that. aspect. And then um, I've had the opportunity to participate in uh, some of Dr. Sawyer's searches for his key staff, and he's done the same. So it's not just we collaborate throughout the year when needed, but we find opportunities to, to join together with each other, to um, use the resources and the knowledge and experience to really create the best team yeah. for the town, because that's How we do want to face outwardly as a a single unit uh, despite having separate charges and then um, we looked at public buildings and shrewsbury has done it differently where the shrewsbury municipal public buildings department provides custodial and maintenance and building management services for all the schools and uh, that provides us another opportunity to just collaborate and keep things open and, and have those conversations. It hopefully, and we can talk to Dr. Sawyer about this, hopefully it frees up space on Dr. Sawyer's schedule where he has to worry about those things less. Yeah. Uh, his principals uh, can interact with our uh, team and um, we can worry about Using the economy of scale to have the right employees and the right skill sets in place to be able to service all public buildings across the board, which I think is a great model. Other cities and towns, I think it's more common for them to have a separate custodial Mm -hmm. and maintenance team in the schools and one for uh, the municipal side of operations. And um, ironically, maybe contrary to what most people would think, but when that occurs, it's it's lopsided that the schools obviously have more space and they have a larger custodial staff than most municipal. So uh, in my opinion, the detriment falls to the municipal side and how much resources are put into those buildings than it does the schools just because of a, the, the space standpoint. Um, There's plenty of other ways that that we have uh, found opportunities to to collaborate.
1: The school space needs study was an interesting one for me to kind of observe from the sidelines. Um, Just watching, like you said, those two sides of our elected body kind of be a part of that process. Um, And the school building committees, when I used to do minutes for the Beale um, building committee, just. It's a mix of municipal and school um, employees. And it's just, it's nice seeing everyone come together in those spaces, I think.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the diversity. So if you think about the school committee and the select board, the, Mm -hmm. you know, two clearly different charges, if I can use that word, but all of the, you know, the same desire to have the best community. And it allows for a check and balances as we're looking at resources and, and where dollars are being expended and where non-monetary resources are being placed it it provides a healthy balance Um, i think the relationship between the school board and the select board was really solidified or school committee and the select board was really solidified uh, during the 2021 override process Mm -hmm. we are in a situation where we are facing uh, significant financial constraints on both the school and uh, municipal operations side and um, we established a regular meeting pattern with two members of the school committee and two members of the select board and that really opened communications up uh, between those two bodies those meetings continue today and it continues to be a great um, opportunity for us to share uh, what each side is facing not only financially but operationally and it's been beneficial during the changes for vocational tuition and things yeah. like that. But that was really started during the 2021 override. Um, really the, the, the school committee and the Slack board put pen to paper together and, and made unified commitments to the community that we still work uh, to on an annual basis. And um, I think when you have a strong relationship, you put pen to paper and it gets even stronger. Yeah. We've been able to leverage that planning and, and that work. Uh, to continue to i think exceed expectations on with the financial resources that we have and the services that we can provide to the community
1: um, i think it's interesting it's like basically a continuous like feedback loop between the two parts of the organization i think like the schools obviously deal with a very specific mm-hmm. part of the population like that family school age children mm-hmm. part of the population and we kind of are more all um, encompassing so mm-hmm. I think it allows us to do just a lot more community listening and hearing. Right. So yeah, and this, I think that's an awesome like partnership to build.
0: Yeah, and, and uh, great engagement when your children are those those yeah, age. I mean, no, fully definitely. committed um, in their education and how the schools perform, and it gives us an opportunity to um, hear those voices that maybe right. the select board otherwise wouldn't, here um, Mm -hmm. because of um, the focus look I I get it it's it's interesting Um, you know for me as my kids get older what you pay attention to what you used to be focused on what you're focused on now and um, schools are definitely a clear path of communication to a critical part of uh, the population within any city or town
1: yeah I don't remember what meeting it was but I remember board member Michelle Conlin kind of talking about that's how she ended up getting involved with running for select board was she was, I don't know if she was just on the PTO or just like a PTO chair, but that was like where she was really involved. And I think, I think it was John Samia and Dale McGee came to one of their meetings to talk about, um, just operations and it might've been about the override. Mm-hmm. Um, and that ended up getting her really involved yeah. in, the community at a larger level, not just the PTO level. So
0: um, just cool. Yeah, so um, it goes without saying, and I'm really looking forward to the conversation with Dr. Sawyer. Shrewsbury Public Schools are very high performing public schools. And um, they have been recognized nationally in a number of publications and um, certainly well-known in the Commonwealth. about their performance and um, has a lot to do with Dr. Sawyer and the team that he's built and the effort that they put in on a day-to-day basis. Uh, so I look forward to that conversation with him and and learning how he does that. He, you know, services well over six thousand uh, students um, and has a high-performing district, and th- that's um, that's a, an extreme challenge in and of itself. So we'll dive deeper into how he approaches his management and and how he builds his team and how they're able to achieve such great things Uh, on the town side it's it's truly a blessing because that keeps a high level of vibrancy people Mm want to come to schools families seek out shrewsbury to raise um you know uh, raise their kids here and and have them grow up here and be able to participate in such a high performing educational environment so um, that's something that i always focus on keeping uh, those resources in place to keep that and keep the, the community vibrant because it has so many um, benefits both for individual residents and, and the community at large. So uh, without further ado, let's welcome uh, today's guest, Dr. Joseph Sawyer, uh, Superintendent of the Shrewsbury Public Schools. Uh, I would like to take the opportunity to welcome Dr. Joe Sawyer here to the set of the Town Manager Download. Thanks for coming.
2: It's my pleasure. This is my first podcast ever. so. Very exciting way to spend a summer day. <laughs> Correct. Two
1: in a row. We had yeah. Dan Riley last week. That's right. That's 100%? good.
2: Yeah, well, we really appreciate your
0: time. Um, so we like to start off every episode just getting a little bit f- more familiar with our guests. So um, tell us about your career path into uh, local government and the public school system and you know all the details. How long you've been uh, with Shrewsbury Public Schools and why you chose the career. Sure.
2: Path. Uh, Well, it's it's hard to believe that I just finished my 26th year in Shrewsbury, Uh, came in 1997 uh, when I was appointed as the assistant principal of the then brand new Floral Street Elementary School Um, and uh, just finished my 14th year as superintendent. So a little more than half that time in in, in this role. I live here in Shrewsbury, raising my family here, Uh, uh, my wife and three daughters, two of them are in college now, one who's still going to be a junior at Shrewsbury High School. And uh, it's been a wonderful place to to live over the last more than quarter century, which is very, very hard for me to believe. Uh, I'm a local Central Mass guy. I grew up in Clinton, uh, just up the road. And uh, in terms of of going into education, A little bit of a family connection. My mom was a teacher in Clinton when I was growing up. And uh, my dad uh, had always wanted to be a teacher. And then actually late in his life, uh, he had the chance to become a substitute teacher after he retired um, at Clinton High School. And and, uh, all my siblings, my sister's uh, an English teacher at uh, our alma mater, Clinton High School. She just made her way back there last year. Um, and then uh, my brother is a teacher out at the Williston-Northampton School out in Western Mass. He's been there his whole career as a teacher and a coach and uh, the ninth grade dean. Uh, my sister teaches English. They both teach English. And uh, my mom was a middle school math and science teacher mainly. Um, so uh, and uh, in some way or shape or form, all of our spouses are in education, too. It's a very cool. education-based uh, based family. Wow. Um, I think you know it, my career path was supposed to be end up playing for the Red Sox. Uh, mm-hmm. When they decided my path wasn't gonna continue anymore, no, none of the professional teams uh, wanted to, to let me continue my career after college. I had to think of something different. And uh, I'd always enjoyed working with kids at like whether that's baseball clinics or umpiring little league or those kinds of things. And uh, thought it might be a nice uh, opportunity to just start off and do something I thought I might enjoy. Um, and I ended up teaching a year at a private school out in North Brookfield called the Valley View School, which were for emotionally uh, uh, disturbed uh, adolescent uh, boys um, did some coaching locally at West Boylston High School. And during that year, I decided I liked the work and I ended up joining a program uh, that was very new at the time called Teach for America. Uh, I ended up going to uh, I was assigned to Houston, Texas. Uh, I ended up teaching, um, I wasn't expecting to. I thought I'd end up teaching high school, but they didn't, they didn't part of it was to fill places where they had teacher shortages, mm-hmm. and they really needed elementary school teachers. So I ended up teaching some third grade and some fifth grade there. Um, and while I was there, I, I attended the University of Houston um, and uh, decided to get a get a master's in education actually in administration. I had some interest in that as a, as a pathway. I um, was fortunate enough, moved back to Massachusetts and was a, an assistant principal at a uh, um, an intermediate school, a grade four, five, and six school down in Middleborough, Mass. I um, mm-hmm. did that work for three years and was looking to come closer back to where I grew up. And um, my wife at the time was going to Tufts Veterinary School and uh, the Floral Street job was open and I was fortunate enough to be appointed to that. And since then, uh, some people in town know, but I was at Floral Street for almost a decade. I was there as uh, assistant principal for, I think, for four years and principal was five. Uh, and then I was at the principal at Oak Middle School for a couple years. Um, during that time, I, I got my doctorate in educational leadership at Boston College. Um, then ended up uh, doing one year as an assistant superintendent up at central office. And then my predecessor, Dr. Anthony Bent, um, decided he was going to retire from Shrewsbury. And uh, uh, that doesn't come around a lot. So I put my hat in the ring, and I was very fortunate. The school mm-hmm. committee uh, decided to appoint me. And have uh, for better or for worse, I've been here ever since. Yeah, interesting. So that's a, it,
0: I, I've always learned new things about our guests, uh, despite, you know, knowing you for as long as I've been in Shrewsbury now, six years. So how, from a, you know, professional leadership standpoint, how deliberate were you throughout your career? And, you know, you started as a teacher and then you went into, you know, assistant principal and principal was that, uh, how
2: did those next steps occur for you? Sure. You know, I I think uh, when I was teaching Uh, I I enjoyed the job a lot uh, but I was intrigued by the idea of school leadership Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think just as uh, some people might be uh, a really good writer and some people are better editors, I kind of saw myself as a better editor and I I, I liked the idea of the the very many different roles that a school leader plays. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I decided to take a couple courses in that leadership and I liked it a lot. So I ended up getting into school leadership at an earlier age uh, than than a lot of folks do. I think, frankly, the reality is the fact that I was male and, uh, you know, a pretty big guy. You know, I, I know that the first job I got as administrator, they were looking for someone to be who was going to have kind of a you know, disciplinarian type approach, sure. not that I'm, you know, a negative type person, <laughs> yeah. but um, there's some stereotypes that have sure. broken down over time, but even though it's a very female uh, field, especially at the elementary level. Uh, a higher percentage of males tend to be in leadership positions. That's been shifting over time. I think it will continue to shift. Uh, but I might have been given some opportunities earlier than maybe I would have if I had, sure. had a different profile. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I took advantage of that, and I think that um, you know, it was just to me that's one of the really attractive. First of all, you're doing good work, and you're, you're affecting a lot of kids' lives and families' lives in a community, um, and working with. Teachers and helping them and you know setting them up for success was something that I've enjoyed and, and I think that uh, If you'd asked me when I was a principal if I was ever wanted to be a superintendent I would have said no you're crazy. Okay. I don't want yep. that job um, And then once I went through my doctoral program uh, One of uh, my mentors in the Boston College program a gentleman named dr. Irwin Blummer who was a former superintendent in Massachusetts Highly revered uh, and he was the head of the program there at the time said you know, I think the most important job that makes the biggest difference in a school is the is the principal. Uh, but I want all of you to be superintendents because we need good superintendents to get good principals, and we don't have enough people who are interested in the role. Mm-hmm. Um, and like any anything else, I think once you start to you've been in the role for a while and you're looking at sort of what that next step might be, and uh, you know ultimately it turned out to be something that I that I felt again really was interesting and. Uh, it's never boring. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Yeah. It's always it's always a very engaging role with, the, with a whole lot of different things you get to do which is uh, To me keeps it very interesting So let's talk about the system a little
0: bit uh, the Shrewsbury public school
2: system That is so
0: maybe talk a little bit about the number of schools and staff and students that kind of break down the data
2: Sure, files. so people aren't familiar with our district uh, We have nine schools. Uh, we have a preschool Parker Road preschool um, And then we have five K to four elementary schools Um, And then two middle schools on a campus, one's a fifth and sixth grade middle school, one's a seventh and eighth grade middle school, and then a nine through 12 high school. Uh, we're a shade under uh, 5,900 students uh, last year, our official count that fluctuates throughout the year, of mm-hmm. course. Uh, it's down a little bit from a few years ago. We peaked at just under 6,300 students. Mm-hmm. Um, like a lot of districts, just demographically and even COVID seemed to exacerbate this a little bit, which has been still a little bit of a mystery uh, for some districts, but uh, you know, we've, we've come down a little bit since then, but we're, we're pretty steady um, in terms of being in the high 5,000s. Um, and, it's a, and it's a district that, you know, grew a lot from the early 90s through, especially through the 90s and, and uh, late 90s into the 2000s. And uh, that's something that communities really coped with and responded to in some really good ways, obviously with capital projects, mm-hmm. as far as new school buildings, bigger school buildings. Um, and that's something that, uh, you know, it, it signals that the community really supports education. Um, in terms of staff, um, you know, of, of sort of professional and support staff, we're at about 950 if you add in, um, Things that, uh, like our cafeteria program and our extended school care program, we're, we're over a thousand okay. uh, staff positions. Um, some of those are shared by multiple people, but you know, so we're over a thousand staff strong. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know how that compares, if that makes us the largest employer in Shrewsbury, if you look at as one single does. organization, yep. but um, it's, it's, it's a work pretty all big out those out tax payments. Thing. Thing. It's a big, I know, <laughs> you know, pilot maybe, right? Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's, it's a lot of folks, and yeah. I think that's one of the things that is uh, that I'm proud of is that despite the fact that we've gotten larger over time, um, I think there's still a real community feel to our schools and our district overall Mm -hmm. uh, and to our culture. And I think that's actually one of the things I like about living in Shrewsbury is that it has, even though it's grown as a community, I think it still has that small town feel in terms of a community and a place where people look out for each other and are are invested in making the community a better place. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, it's a a great place to be.
0: So how do you think about, or how do you go about leading and managing an organization of a thousand people? What, what, you know, how, how how's
2: the organization set up and how do you approach leadership? Sure. Um, You know, the, the, the the phrase, and I think it's an old Peter Drucker quote is the idea that culture eats strategy for breakfast. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think one of the reasons I came to Shrewsbury in the first place is it was pretty clear they had a strong culture. I think that's remained the case over the time I've been here. Uh, And of course, you don't have a great culture without great people. I think the school committee has always set that tone. It's been a school committee over my time in Shrewsbury, both when I was at a school level and then when I came to a district level and started interacting with the school committee more, uh, really, is very professional in its approach. Very much focuses on what's best for students, uh, and wants to support our staff uh, in doing that, and wants to try to procure the resources from the community to make sure we have the res- uh, the, the the capacity to do really good work. Um, I think uh, you know it's been a a, uh, a district that's been very successful academically, uh, and that's obviously the core mission of of the school district. At the same time, um, I think that. Uh, one of the things I'm most proud of is the the anecdotal evidence and, and one of the real benefits of having been in one place for as long as I have now is I've seen now generations of kids go through our school district and now are, you know, not even young adults anymore necessarily mm-hmm. um, and who are in their careers. And you know, when I have the opportunity to run into families and find out how their their children who are former students are doing. Um, it's not only that they've done well, you know, beyond high school, maybe academically and in their professions, uh, but also that they just feel they had a really good experience and, yeah. and that it's uh, something where people are growing uh, not only academically but socially and emotionally and and have a good experience now that's not universal for everyone obviously and in, in any human endeavor that's hard and that's something we're trying to get better at all the time right. um, in terms of like the the approach i think yeah. that it's trying to make sure you know the number one most important thing i think we do in terms of maintaining a strong culture um, is our hiring practices. Okay. Um, we're really choosy about who we bring on board. Uh, I, you know, We, we put our, our, especially professional level education positions, teaching positions, leadership positions. There's a really thorough process. It's a really, uh, with a lot of different people involved with it in, in terms of teams and making sure we have stakeholders at the table, parents at the table, mm-hmm. uh, staff members who are gonna be their colleagues who are very choosy about who they wanna work with. Um, and then at the high school level, that includes students as well, okay. um, really at every level in the sense I mean, students are on the interview teams at the high school level. But at the elementary level, uh, even the youngest kids, all, when we get to the final stage for our teachers, every teacher has to do a demonstration lesson. And when they come in and do that, the principal or assistant principal who is running that search, you know, will stay behind after the lesson and talk to the kids. What How did they perceive that? Person, what do they like about wow. that lesson? What do they, what do they, uh, you know, how could they see that person, you know, being a, as, as a teacher? Um, and the kids are pretty straightforward usually about what <laughs> they believe you know, what they think. There, there can be a, a tricky audience, and usually, hopefully, it's confirming that we're in a good place mm-hmm. uh, when we get to the point where we want to make an offer to someone. Uh, but I think that it's the, the quality of the people. I'm just continuously amazed by the quality of what our teachers, our support staff, our leadership team, the their work ethic. Their commitment to doing what's right for kids, the skill uh, that they do it with, and and their their really high level of motivation to do things well and do them right for kids because it's such an important job. Mm-hmm. Um, just you know, when I, when I reflect back on the time I've been here, it's really it's the quality of the people. So I think you know, setting the tone from my role to make sure that that those processes were following and making mm-hmm. sure that you know that that. High level of expectation around who we bring on board to teach our kids is really and work with our kids um, is is really the the most primary responsibility.
0: So, Joe, that has led to some real um, you know success not only for individual students but some recognition for the Shrewsbury Public School District. Um, so, I, I know you've been uh, ranked in a number of uh, different uh, publications and things like that. So. Um, how do you, how do you, how does that feel? How do you take that? How do you share that information? You know, with yeah. Your
2: team? It's it's a, it, to be honest, I have mixed feelings in the sense that you know it's always something we want to celebrate when we're recognized for doing something well. Um, sometimes the rankings and and you know we don't want there to be an over focus on things like test scores. Some mm-hmm. of those, some of those rankings are actually more sensitive and they take a lot of different things into account in terms of the types of students a school district might have. Because, I mean, there are some phenomenal, I mean, Massachusetts, we're very proud, is considered to be on a whole host of measures, the top performing state in the country around public education. Mm -hmm. Um, And given that we're one of the strong performers within the state, I think legitimately we can say we're, you know, when you think nationally, we're a top performer, there's a lot of things that confirm that. what I wouldn't want to do is start getting into the game of well, let's really just keep pumping up those test sure. scores. What's what's this metric? It's almost like the U.S. News uh, program for colleges, gets, right. you know, in, in terms of like well, if you do certain metrics, maybe your ranking goes up. And is that the most important work to do? Um, and I think that that's the the thing where we have to be careful. I, I think from from my perspective, um, if we are really focused on implementing best practices. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we're we're dedicated to to teaching well and supporting students well, the results are going to take care of themselves to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. Um, And we want, you know, I look at it as making sure that that students, regardless of what their profile might be, have the greatest set of options by the time that they leave us. They have a skill set that's going to help them become successful. And if that means a student who really aspires to, you know, a quote-unquote, you know, elite college or university Mm -hmm. acceptance, Uh, We want to certainly be sure we have a program that provides those opportunities and the track record is that we do. We have some kids getting getting admitted to those, you know, top tier quote unquote Mm -hmm. schools. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are just as proud of a student who decides that their right pathway right now is to go to a two-year community college. And, you know, we have a lot of kids go to Quinn Community College Mm -hmm. and then go on. And and I've seen this because I've been here for long enough. And then sometimes they go on to four-year schools, sometimes they go into the workplace. Sometimes they go straight into the to the, the work field and that's something that you know for me it's making sure that there's a skill set students have so that they have options and they can pursue what they want to pursue mm-hmm. as opposed to saying everybody should fit in this box and everybody should be aspiring for X. That really should be up to, to students and their families and we want to provide the kind of education that provides those different options for students. Mm-hmm. And that's a real challenge right now is that one opportunity that this community supported uh, was a little bit different profile than some other places, was our students who had the opportunity to go to Aspet Valley right. Regional yeah. Vocational Technical High School and receive that. You know, Massachusetts is tops in the nation around their vocational technical programming. Um, and because of sort of a quirk in the state law and the fact that we're not, Shrewsbury's not a, a, a member community of the Asibet district, we used to tuition, kids we still do tuition, a number of students in there. Uh, but basically, the, the admissions processes and policies changed. And so very virtually impossible now for students to enter there as a ninth grader. Mm-hmm. So we're having to figure out. What can we do internally and with internships and business partners and what we're calling sort of a a career pathways programming to make sure that students who may or may not be interested in, you know, what, what, you know, the vast majority of our kids are are, want to go to a four year college. Mm -hmm. That's what that's most of our clientele, so to speak. Mm -hmm. But um, that doesn't mean that's for everybody and, and it doesn't it should not make a bit of difference one's not more important than the other all of our students are equally important and all of our students should have as Many opportunities that we can provide for them within the context of what the capacity we have and the resources we have.
0: Yes, yeah, so um, Two words that, that you brought up there um, Challenges and, and then partnerships are, are two things that I did want to talk to you a little bit more about today um, certainly the impact of COVID-19 and you just mentioned changes in, in state policy with vocational tuition has brought challenges into public sector education. Mm-hmm. But generally speaking, and, and or maybe including those things, what, what are the greatest challenges that, that we're facing right now in public education?
2: Yeah, I think the overall challenge is that the, you know, the landscape um, in American society and culture is just challenging right now in a lot of different ways. Um, coming out of COVID, and, and you know, we know, and this is you know an unprecedented kind of situation we were in. I'm very proud of how our district worked through and handled COVID. We were far from perfect; nobody was, but I think overall, we we had a strong response. Um, that said, it it had a really significant effect on a lot of our young people. Mm-hmm. Um, that's paired with the fact that even prior to COVID, we had a burgeoning mental health crisis among young people in our society. Um, and there's a lot of hypotheses as to why that might be. Some of it, cell phones and technology and social media is something that's a a question a lot of Mm -hmm. people have in terms of how that contributes to things. Um, And so making sure kids are well um, and supported as far as their mental health and their social and emotional well-being is definitely, uh, I think, a major challenge we have to respond to, as is the, um, the effects that Missing a certain amount of instruction or school experience is affecting kids academically um, and I think we're focused on both of those things uh, we, we have a, a, a new strategic plan that we are in, in the first year of now and and uh, uh, As much as culture is strategy for breakfast strategy is still really important <laughs> um, And there's there's three major commitments that we have various strategic priorities under um, and that's a commitment to educational excellence, uh, a commitment to the enhanced well-being of all, um, and that includes our students and our staff, um, and our families to the extent that we influence that, um, and then a, a commitment to the optimization of our resources. Those are sort of the three legs of the stool that we're working towards. Um, the optimization of resources piece, and that's where we interact probably the most because that's about finances and resources and how do we make sure our, our physical buildings have what they need and all those things. Um, And those were, as well as things like staffing and Mm -hmm. policies and processes. Um, And that's really important. If you don't do that well, it's hard to do the other things well. Um, But the things that are central to the classroom are really this idea of educational excellence and and, and well-being. Um, And I think there's a little bit of a piece that, and what I've been sort of pushing on a little bit in my conversations I've been having with different people is that coming out of COVID, I think there's a little bit of a, a sense I have sometimes where there's this false dichotomy between you can't have both. Mm-hmm. Like if you really have really high standards educationally, a certain number of kids are going to be really stressed out and they're not going to be really well off with their social, emotional, or their mental health. Um, or if you have schools where really you're really focused on students okay. feeling good about being there and engaged and, and feeling good about themselves, that somehow means you have to lower your standards academically. And I think that's a false dichotomy. I think they actually, you can and should have both, and they actually can be mutually reinforcing. Mm-hmm. You know, a student who feels you know good about themselves in terms of their emotional stability and, and socially, they feel good about how they're growing and evolving and connecting. Um, they're going to be more available to do high levels of learning. Um, kids who are learning well and feeling success in the classroom are going to feel better about themselves. Yeah. So I mean, we want we, and we know that you can do both. Um, it's it's a it's been overwhelming. certainly during COVID, but even I think the the year after was much, much more challenging, like our first year fully back. Um, this second year back was better. I mm-hmm. think we're going to continue to trend in that direction, but we have to be very purposeful and intentional about what kinds of interventions, what kinds of educational experience kids are getting in a context of making sure kids feel that they're unconditionally accepted for who they are mm-hmm. and they feel that they belong in a school mm-hmm. community. So, Great.
0: Um, And then maybe finally, uh, as the big final topic, community partnerships. Joe, I know that's something you've focused on a lot uh, as superintendent and you've dedicated resources to that. And, um, you know, whether that's fundraising to get aspects of the uh, community to contribute to the schools in one way or another, or, um, you know, building those pathways for for students uh, to be successful uh, post high school. Um, it, it's brought a lot of success for the community. So what have you done in the community partnership area and, and what are you still working on?
2: Sure, there? sure. Um, you know, th- there's a couple things to come to mind. Uh, we've had some very generous community partners. Uh, I think about, you know, there's lots of local businesses that, you know, the two that I would single out for some really, you know, significant major donations uh, were Central One Federal Credit Union, um, after which, you know, they sponsored in the, the stadium at the high school mm-hmm. named after now. Um, you know, for making a $750,000 contribution to help with that uh, field project and stadium uh, renovation. Um, Shrewsbury Federal Credit Union, uh, stepped up when we asked them to to kind of think about how do we create more of these partnerships overall and connections for kids and opportunities um, and their funding they, they donated $450,000 over a number of years and uh, that's how we actually launched the position that Dr. Lozada is in the okay. assistant superintendent for uh, community partnerships and well-being which we saw sort of two needs mm-hmm. we're trying to spread that across lots of different leaders it's everybody's responsibility but to have someone who has the time and the capacity to actually work on building those and of course we didn't even know about ACABET then so mm-hmm. thank goodness we have uh, Dr. Lazad in that role, um, but we've had a host of other and I don't want to start naming them because there's so many yeah. uh, who, who have also made significant contributions. Those were two very very large financial ones, uh, but I think that we're and we're in a place where you know we're having more career opportunities, people coming into the schools, helping kids understand what their businesses are about, maybe helping kids think a little bit about their own what they might want to pursue or not pursue, mm-hmm. um, and we want to try to build more of those kind of internships and things. Um, At the same time, those partnerships involve families, and and I think that as the the population of Shrewsbury has been evolving um, and becoming more diverse, you know, we're, we're probably a little behind the curve where we should be, but we've made strides around making sure that we are able to connect with all the families in our okay. community, not just, you know, though I mean, especially where we have more families that don't speak English as their first language, sure. uh, families that may not be as familiar with the educational system mm-hmm. uh, because they're not from here originally. Um, and I think that, again, you know, the more it, it it's become, it's becoming a very vibrant community with those differences, but how can we make sure those people feel that they belong just as much as someone who's been here for three generations sure. so it's uh, or more. Um, so those are some of the partnership things we're, we're giving a lot of thought to.
0: Great. So let's look forward. What do, what do you see in the coming years for the Shrewsbury Public Schools and continue to have uh, find success and support students in their success to be both lifelong learners and successful after uh, graduation? Uh, what's what's around the corner
2: you know I think that I'm, I'm excited about this strategic plan I, I, I like the idea that we are really trying to find ways for kids to uh, be gaining a skill set that's going to last you know long long beyond high school and mm-hmm. that we're focused on that happening incrementally all the way from the time they're very young all the way through their high school careers uh, we have you know a vision that's called our portrait of a Shrewsbury graduate that has a variety of things where we say like if our vision is for students to be like our, our mission talks about being uh, prepared for the 21st century now we're pretty getting deeper into the 21st <laughs> century right uh, but if you know knowing that how th- quickly things are changing uh, you know that that really ab- ability to you know that human element that innovation the things that you know, we know that artificial intelligence is gonna sure. do a lot of stuff. So that mm-hmm. the, the economic and job landscape is gonna keep changing. So what is a skill set that we can really give our kids that they are gonna be able to enable them to adapt? Mm-hmm. Because that's gonna be critical. I mean, artificial intelligence is another challenge that we have, right? In sure. terms of, you know, what does that look like? How can it be used well as a tool? How can we not have kids leaning on it in ways they shouldn't, as far as having them <laughs> do their work for them, right? Um, but it's, it's a very different world. And I think that's, you know, it's scary for a lot of people because things are moving so quickly. Uh, But, you know, there's certain foundational skills of how to be a good person and how to be a a thoughtful person who can analyze things and obviously who's literate, um, who has good skills around, you know, reading and analyzing and writing well, communicating well, uh, being able to solve problems in mathematics or science or whatnot. Those are skills that are going to last no matter where kids go. So I think it's like continuing to focus on that on that vision is, is really important despite some of the challenging aspects of the landscape right now.
0: Well, I don't envy you in that. That's a that's a lot to think about with uh, your students. And uh, you and your team continue to do an amazing job. And I would have to give you, you know, one of the best, certainly the best uh, rankings um, that we could ever expect with the the resources that you get, the outcomes that you produce is is nothing short of amazing. And um, you deal with things on a day to day basis and the well-being of students—different, um, you know. Whenever I was going to school, elementary school, high school, those things weren't even talked about in the public school yeah. setting, and it's—it's um, it's been accepted and, and a challenge uh, taken on and uh, overcoming on a day-to-day basis. So yeah. I just tip your. Tip and my and, and if
2: I may, Evan just just briefly, I think there's two areas that I really didn't refer to that I think are going to be real challenges coming forward. Mm-hmm. Now, one we're going to need your help with, of course, which is. We're in, we're in the most stable position we've been during my career in Shrewsbury financially mm-hmm. um, and resource-wise. And that, I can't tell you how important that's been for us to be able to focus time and energy on the work of educating kids and not around what are we gonna have to cut, mm-hmm. what are we gonna change, what are, you know, a lot of time and energy spent on, we don't have enough resources. So that's been huge and I appreciate your support, support of the select board, the finance committee, all the, the municipal leaders, that's been huge. Um, and so continuing that is gonna be a challenge and something that's gonna be really, really important for us to do, be able to do the work that's expected of us. Um, and the other piece is that when I mentioned the community is changing, uh, the landscape is, at the same time, our workforce has has not shifted as much the way that the community has. Mm-hmm. Um, and the school committee has charged us, and, and rightfully so, with how do we over time Adapt so that our staff represents more of what the student yep. population looks like in terms of diversity And that's some work where we're really paying attention to it's not easy work for a variety of reasons mm-hmm. That's a whole other podcast episode mm-hmm. But <laughs> it's something that we're, we're committed to looking at and working at doing and implementing over time um, Because you know we want there to be you know th- There's a lot of strength in that diversity and over right. time we want to we want to realize what those strengths are So those are two things I thought it was important
0: to Great. mention. I appreciate that Well, we'll we'll wrap things up on a a lighter note. We always like to talk about something that we think is the best. Uh, So we'll we'll put you on the spot here. Joe, you mentioned earlier uh, you were a pitcher in college at at Princeton. Um, So in your opinion, who's the greatest major league pitcher of all time?
2: Boy, Um, (laughs) there's a lot of good options there. I mean, I'm going to be a... uh, a hometowner and, uh, and kind of this is based on my own experience growing up, but I, it, it's hard to beat Pedro Martinez. I mean, he, an, he was such an extraordinary athlete and presence, and I think that um, I had the opportunity to see him pitch in person a couple times mm-hmm. at Fenway, and the atmosphere was just electric. And I think for me, you know, and I'm, and I'm a big sports fan and I watch a lot of different sports, and with having three daughters who all are athletes and I I, I, I watch a lot of uh, women's sports now as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but regardless of what the sport is or, or you know you know, there's certain athletes who just sort of transcend the moment. And this was during a time, of course, the steroids and everything else that hitting was I mean, he was putting up numbers compared to like just, you know, all time numbers. And yet, during a time when offense was sort of king, sure. Uh, and uh, you know, when you saw, when you see an athlete who it's almost like Larry Burden is prime. Uh, if, you know, those of us who grew up here, like. Doing what they want to do, knowing they're playing against the best in the world, and they're toying with them like they're playing against like a league <laughs> team, like that was just to me <laughs> incredible. I mean, like at one point, yeah, I mean as a pitcher, he had the best fastball, the best curveball, and the best changeup in the major leagues. Like one guy to have the three best pitches, yeah. you know, it was just incredible. And plus, he was just a competitor too. So yeah. that was kind of a joy. That was a joyful experience to watch him pitch that way. So yeah. and I think you, you know, you can make the argument for all kinds of different people. Sure, but I'll, I'll go with Pedro.
0: I'll accept that. It'll it'll hit home with the. Definitely with the hometown Absolutely. Uh, folks. So it will at least it won't be the most controversial topic yes. of our conversation yes, that's today, good. Joe. That's good. Well, we really appreciate you taking the time to, to be with us this afternoon. Uh, and thank you for all your contributions to the, the community and and uh, all the help that you provide to, um, you know, the town side on a day to day basis. Um, so this has been another great episode uh, and great conversation on the town manager download. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at tmdownload at shrewsburyma.gov. So uh, thanks again to Dr. Sawyer. On behalf of Taylor Galusha, I'm Kevin Mizikar. Thank you for listening.